I am a believer in Jesus' teaching of living in the present. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow can worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, along the lines of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. But I'm also a believer in the new creation, in what is still yet to come, or at least what is unfolding before us even as we sit and worship today. What's to come? The future. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your promises. One of many being that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We come before you to proclaim your word to one another in your presence this morning. In the name of the one who is and who was and who is to come. In the name of Jesus, amen. Next week, we're going to open an unusual idea in the Bible. And that is the biblical ideal of the future. It's not something that we talk about a lot, but whenever you read the prophets, for example, there's a great deal in the prophets about what every single prophet promises from God, which is the remnant. That is a group of people who are always going to be the people of God no matter what. No matter what. Height, depth, angels, demons, past, present, future, no matter what, there will always be the people of God. We'll open that next week, the future. So a few nights ago, I was sitting out in my atrium after a long day. It's this little outdoor room that sits off of our living room. And I have a porch swing out there, and it was quiet. Uh, it was one of the few nights over the past few weeks that wasn't raining. So sitting out there in my porch swing, my cat Jojo is out there with me and my plant named Robert. Not why you think, by the way. So Really. So we're sitting out there. I'm reading, really enjoying quiet. But occasionally, because this outdoor atrium doesn't have a roof, bugs will come in, which Jojo, my little black cat, loves. She loves when bugs come in, gives her something to play with. So this is the end of summer, right? So we've had a lot of cicadas, what we used to call locusts, you know, the real noisy, winged things. So we have this huge tree out in the middle of the complex that probably has 10,000 of them in there. I kid you not, they're just covered in these bugs. So I'm thinking that that's what just came in to our atrium because right behind the porch swing where I was sitting, Jojo was messing with this thing and it was making all kinds of rackets. Well, you know, flies, mosquitoes, mosquito eaters, they don't make that kind of racket. And this one was what I thought was a locust. I was wrong. So I'm sitting there reading and in front 
of me, you know, obviously peripheral vision, I see this thing fly up right in front of me. It must have come out from under the, the bench. Flies up in front of me, and it kind of startles my attention. I look up, and I see just wings, and I'm thinking... Jojo wasn't playing with a locust. She was playing with a bird. A bird has gotten in to my atrium, and what am I going to do about this? Because, you know, birds, they don't leave when you ask them nicely. I mean, it's, it, things, things going crazy. So I look, and I catch it right in the eyes, and it comes flying right at me, and I realize... This is not a bird. It was a bat. <laughs> that was my reaction, Becca. Only it was more intense. So have you ever seen a movie where something super scary happens and it's usually in the movies a very well-dressed woman who suddenly just screams as loud as she can, very high-pitched. Well, that was the sound that came out of me. And <laughs> I've not made that sound in I don't know how long. But it just, I grabbed Jojo by the neck, opened the door, tossed her inside. I ran inside, shut the door as fast as I could. We turned around, both of us. You know, she was glued to the door, and I was too. I flipped on the porch light, and we watched this thing, you know, hit the window, trying to get out, until finally, and it was, it was, it was kind of beautiful in a horrible, creepy way, it started flying in circles around the atrium until it flew all the way out the top, and was gone. And that was Tuesday night. And then the night since then, I've told Jojo before we go outside, don't let another bat into my atrium. And she's, she's been good. She hasn't let anything else in there. Now, I'm a believer in Jesus' teaching about living in the present. You know, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to have enough trouble of its own. And I don't have to tell you that each day has enough trouble of its own with all the hatred and tension and anxiety and bats. Quite seriously, I think the whole Dracula and vampires thing was such a part of our childhoods for those of us who grew up in the 70s and 80s that I was I was terrified for a minute when that bat started flying around I, I wasn't I wasn't just casually I mean I was I was terrified I did not want to be in that moment you know where I wanted to be I wanted to be in the future I wanted to be somewhere else, far away from that wayward, winged 
echolocating, mosquito-eating, nocturnal incarnation of my nightmares. I wanted to be somewhere else. And so, because I've been thinking about this all week, I long for the new creation of what is still to come. What's to come? The future. That, that which is out ahead of us that we cannot see. When I look back into the past about when I was a child who used to look forward to the future, I have to tell you that I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed with the way things turned out compared to what I was hoping the future was going to look like when I was a child. Because when I was a child trying to imagine the year 2000, which any of you who you know, were around even in the 70s, 80s, maybe into the 90s, you know that the year 2000 sounded like science fiction. It sounded so far away. So I'm imagining the future, and I'm trying to imagine the year 2000, and one of the things that I believed in the most was the Jetsons. I believed... And the Jetsons promised flying cars and machines that did everything for us. Fly to work in your car that folds up like a briefcase, ride the conveyor belt to your destination, and then go to your desk and push buttons. Who would have imagined that what we would wind up with instead is overpriced vehicles and machines that solve problems that we didn't have before the advent of machines. Now we have to build computers that solve problems that are created by computers. As advanced as we like to think we are, we need to confess out loud that we still have so much that we have not yet figured out. And all of this future hope and new creation has me thinking on this last day of our summer of forgiveness. There is still so much that we do not yet know about forgiveness. Because no matter how hard we try to see what things might be like later in life, we just cannot see past the headlights. Sure. Maybe you have a few more perspectives on forgiveness after our summer together. Or maybe you've even been practicing a little bit more intentionally than you have before. I have. This has really been a good soul check for me. And I hope it has been for you too. I've heard from some of you and I agree that this this Summer of Forgiveness is one of the most important series that we've ever done. This year of forgiveness is central to who we are as Jesus followers. This is a central thing to who we are as the people of God. But here's what I mean when I say that we still have a few things that we have yet to learn about forgiveness. What we still do not know about forgiveness... I say that because we're going to experience things tomorrow. We're going to experience things next year. 
and 10 years from now that we have not yet experienced. They haven't happened yet. And if you've lived even more than a few years, you already know that you have an image of what the future is going to look like, maybe even today. When I say the future, I'm saying right now it's almost 11 o'clock. You have images probably in your mind of what noon is going to be. Maybe what three this afternoon is going to look like. What you're going to be doing at 10 o'clock tonight. You have these images in your mind, right? So think back to even yesterday. Did everything go exactly the way that you had it planned? Now, sometimes it does. It does. You think, all right, I'm going to wake up at this time, and you woke up around that time, and they have this for lunch. Well, it, we changed our minds. There's all these little things that happen, and forgiveness is the same exact way. We could spend, like we've done this summer, the rest of the year, considering all of these angles out of the Bible about forgiveness, and we still aren't going to know one big thing, and that is, what are we going to do tomorrow where we're going to have to practice forgiveness? Because it hasn't happened yet. We don't know. This is kind of like training big picture stuff so that tomorrow we'll have an opportunity to practice forgiveness. If you had told me Tuesday morning that come later tonight, when you are completely relaxed and almost falling asleep reading out in the atrium, you're going to come eye to eye with a bat. I'm going to say, pardon me? No. First of all, I wouldn't have gone out in the atrium if you knew that. But you can't see things like that coming. As silly as that sounds, you cannot see something like that coming. And then when it did, guess what happened? 10 o'clock at night. I'm my eyes are literally drooping as I'm sitting out there reading. I was up till midnight. Because you know what happens? Heart starts racing, adrenaline starts pumping. You can't go get in bed and lay down when you've got visions of bats dancing in your head. It doesn't work. So, calm back down, finally go to sleep, and you sleep. Didn't see it coming, but there it was. Some things today, tomorrow, and years from now will demand our attention and perhaps our forgiveness. How we practice forgiveness today will impact our forgiveness tomorrow. Forgiveness is hard work. But it is a little easier if from the beginning we spend our time holding things lightly. Maybe I need to spend more time asking myself in situations that call on forgiveness. Is this fact or is this my preference? You know what I mean by that? For example, if I'm forgiving people for not meeting my preferences... That's more about me than it is about them. You know what I mean by that? You don't need forgiveness for serving someone Brussels sprouts if they don't like them. You don't need forgiveness 
for someone playing jazz, if you like country. The world does not need my forgiveness for not living up to the promise of flying cars. These days, it seems we confuse peace with agreement. But there will come a time, maybe even later today, when things get more serious than Brussels sprouts and country music. Maybe someone will ask for your forgiveness. But then again, maybe they won't. Because the work of forgiveness is ever there. And maybe you'll need to forgive someone, and maybe you'll need to ask for someone's forgiveness. Because this is ultimately about you, who God is shaping you into, who God is calling you to be, and then ultimately, for a gathering of people like we have this morning, how God is shaping us as God is shaping us into people. In the opening of Paul's letter to the Philippians in Scripture, right there in the Bible, Paul writes in order to encourage them about their future, what Christ is completing in them. And I can't help but think that that is something for us to hear today, that this is written for us, that God will keep creating us today as well as tomorrow. Even those things that we don't yet know, even those things we have yet to experience. And those times when I, as God is my witness, we will need to forgive one another. So hear these words of the Lord today through a few filters. First, hear this encouraging scripture through the things that we've shared this summer, what we have learned, and hopefully what we've been able to practice often. Second, hear this encouraging scripture as though it were written directly to us, right here, right now, because really it was. And then maybe one other kind of way to hear it is, how is God speaking to us today, but then how is this shaping us into the future? This, what I'm about to read, truly was written for us, because this was written for the body of Christ, and this is a living word. And so here it is, to be heard anew today, a part of God's new creation in Jesus. This is for us. From Philippians 1. I thank my God every time I remember you. Constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love 
may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best so that on the day of Christ, you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. This right here, dear loved ones, in Christ Jesus, is the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord for today to equip us for righteousness even for those things we have yet to live, for what we do not even yet know about forgiveness. So in the meantime, let us live not as we once were, not in the frustration of the world, but in the righteousness and love and patience and kindness of Jesus. Amen.